HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Wine Access. Here's a great way to discover and drink the best wines expertly curated for you. Go to wineaccess.com slash HRN for more info. This week on Meet and 3, we head into the second part of our mini-series on global trade, where we talk about all things sweet, from chocolate and sugarcane to the cultural festival that accompanied the growth of the date industry in the U.S. They're using this romance and fantasy to say dates are exotic and you should consume them. I like to think of the food that we eat as archaeological artifacts, in part because the history of humanity is in the stands in your produce market. It's not like other foods. We have very like personal feelings about chocolate. Tune in to Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues. That's him. It's gonna get you Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. Hey, Damon. Hey, Souther. Where's Greg today? Greg is uh, snowed into some cabin upstate or something like that. Greg's uh, Greg's found a way to take a vacation during COVID. I don't know what's going on. Wow. <laughs> nice. Uh, is, he, is he just hiding out? Is he writing his novel? Is he? Is this like a Shining situation? or? Uh, yeah, all work and, and no play makes Greg uh, a, a, murderous, <laughs> a murderous maniac. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We didn't get much information other than not going to be able to make the show. No Wi-Fi at the cabin. Um, so Likely. Yeah. Sounds yeah, what's uh, going on in New York right now? We are, uh, you know, hip deep in snow, maybe. Uh, big big storm hip rolled deep. through. Well, maybe thigh. Um, yeah, uh, big storm rolled through. It snowed pretty much consistently for uh, over 30 hours. Um, wow. not Not super heavy, but like nonstop snow for 30 hours. Um, so it's been strangely peaceful and quiet. And also I spoke to via text, I spoke to a few different friends and said, you know, um, it's been difficult and, and a little bit nerve wracking to be at home so much because of the pandemic, but somehow having all that snow out there makes it a little easier because you can't go out anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, there's nothing, you can't really fight it. Right. It's yeah. just you're kind of it, it is what it is, and you kind of have to just maybe try to enjoy the the little time off as much as you can. Yeah, and I think um, 
strangely, what I'm enjoying the most is, you know, when there's snow, it's just it's sound absorbing. And it's just the city seems so quiet right now. Yeah. Like it's, exactly. it seems it seems soft and, you know, all the edges are smoothed off by the snow, you know, settling on everything. I don't know. It just it's got a, a, a serenity to it that maybe is calming right now. So silver lining, nice. I, silver lining, I suppose. Um, and how are things in sunny California? Well, it's sunny. Um, but you know, I was thinking of my, my drive out here to Napa. I work in Napa, uh, out here in California and you know, it's a beautiful drive and everything, but I was like, and it's, it's chilly, but you know, the sun's out and I was just thinking, you know, I wish I had like, I don't, I don't really, I, I moved out here to get away from New York winters, but you know, it's, it's a real, like when you live in New York, the seasons really let you know, there's like true like time stamps you know uh where you can you know the seasons and you can tell the what the year was and you know like the you know what i mean it's just like it it makes memories a little bit more accessible in your brain right you can actually like find them and in california it's kind of especially like southern california where there aren't any seasons time just kind of like goes by without you noticing it and at least within you know with you know new york city um you can you you know you notice your yourself getting older. I guess is what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> You're more cognizant of the the constant You're marching, like, oh, shit. marching of time. <laughs> time is marching by. Time. Yes, time is marching by. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're right. The seasons act, you know punctuate your memory by by giving you you know tangible uh, markers. Yeah, we'll remember yeah. this. We'll remember this February by being like, oh, remember February when it snowed for 30 hours straight. Um, yeah, like my brother and I were, uh, you know, we're in a band together, and um, we were uh, we we're writing a song called "Winter Cocktails," and it's kind of about, it's kind of like a, a nod back to New York, but at the same time, we're like, oh shit, man! Like, <laughs> when was the last time you actually had like a legit winter cocktail? Because <laughs> right. um, you know, like, like they don't do eggnog out here, or they definitely don't do Tom and Jerry's. Um, they kind of look at you funny if you even order like a Manhattan. Um, right, right. so you know it's just kind of it's a different lifestyle in here i mean i still drink manhattans every morning uh <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> first thing i do is i remember new york city by having a manhattan there you go still two one two um no but i did have an underberg today uh in in the honor of you in this show hell yeah i've already so, had two yeah, uh I, <laughs> I, got, I gotta jump Time on difference. the day well i gotta yeah exactly i gotta jump on the day um well, speaking of spirits, uh, let's bring in our virtual studio guest all the way from London today. Uh, we've got the 2014 Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Award Best um, uh, Best uh, Global Ambassador uh, and our good friend to the show, Giuseppe Gallo. Welcome, Giuseppe. Hey, Sadar, Damon. How are you both? Uh, Great, we're man. doing. We're doing well. Uh, this is a very stretched out uh, studio today. We've got London, New York, and uh, Napa Valley on on at one time, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which has again been one of the sort of silver linings to the uh, to the pandemic for us is that we've been able to do shows with people um, from all over the world. We always obviously have people from all over the world on when they're visiting New York. They're live in studio, but during the pandemic, we've had to. The luxury of having people on from all over the world, wherever they are. So, really happy to have you on uh, and talk to you about what's been going on. Um, so, uh, catch us up a little bit on who Giuseppe Gallo is, uh, and then we'll talk about what you've been up to 
lately and of course during the pandemic um you, you know as i mentioned you were uh, brand ambassador 2014 that was when you were with martini uh, but before right. that but before that you you had a, a long and illustrious career uh, in the in the field talk to us about yourself a little bit absolutely so first of all it's a, a privilege and honor to be back in the speakeasy podcast so I would say a very, very early good morning to them. And uh, as they say in the UK, a good afternoon to you, Sadler, and a good evening over here. So, <laughs> so let's start with uh, uh, the pronunciation of my name, which is uh, Giuseppe, as you correctly did. Uh, not Giuseppe. <laughs> I'm Giuseppe Gallo. Uh, as you can hear from my accent, I'm Italian, born and breathed, but I've been working and living in UK, in England, London for the last 15 years, uh, where my business is, I have a beautiful family with a Russian wife, two wonderful daughters, um, and I consider myself a cocktail evangelist. Uh, as probably most of us, I'm a former bartender. I actually studied to be a bartender in Italy at a hospitality school since I was 14. Uh, my family, they had a little deli on Amalfi Coast, the south of Italy, uh, where I learned a little bit of my craft with the uh, ingredients and flavors uh, alongside with my mom and my father and my grandparents. And uh, when I was 18, 19, I finished the high school, I packed my stuff and I said, now if I really want to do something that uh, it make me feel happy in the life, I need to go and challenge myself, learn different languages and work with the best in class in hospitality uh, to take my craft, my career to the next level. From there, I traveled a little bit everywhere in Italy. I worked in Rome, in Milan, on Como Lake, on a ski resort. I worked in Switzerland. Um, and then uh, I came to America uh, in Hoboken, New Jersey, for one and a half years, beginning of 2000. Oh, what, a, what a first crack at America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was the one who my you know, re relative uh, old cousin moved to U.S. during the 70s. So I had to, I had to uh, a place where to stay. Uh, I worked in a little bar there, but uh, because of the visa and the green card, I had to move back to Europe. And uh, while I was in Italy, I said, I'm not going to wait here to get all the visa and all the documents done in the U.S. I'm going to go to U.S., uh, to U.K. Uh, this was uh, late 2005. And um, I came to London. It was winter. It was cold. I started to work as a bartender and a little uh, five-star hotel in the center of London. And a few months later, I left. I went to work at Sanderson Hotel, which is very famous because it was the first Eva Hotel, designed by Philip Stark, the famous French designer, where um, I started as a bartender, then I became assistant manager and uh, lately bar manager. Uh, and in 2009, I joined the Bacardi Martini Global Marketing Office in London as a global ambassador for Martini Rossi. Uh, in 2014, I was so fortunate to be awarded as a global ambassador uh, in the world at Tales of the Cocktail. It was kind of strange, as you know, Soder, when I started the job in 2009, nobody knew about vermouth and nobody really cared about vermouth. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, vermouth, it became one of the trendy and hottest category for bartenders all around the world. 
In uh, 2015, I then left my job with Bacardi and I started my own consulting company, which is still running today, Ital Spirits. Uh, it's a below the line activation agency. And in 2016, I decided uh, to start my kamikaze project. That's how they define <laughs> Italicus, my friend. <laughs> and uh, I launched uh, uh, an Italian liqueur called Italicus. Um, and it's a Rosolio di Bergamotto. It's a forgotten category called Rosolio uh, that it was very uh, well available in Italy before Amaro, Vermouth, Bitters. And the flavor profile is a bergamot orange citrus from the Calabria region of southern Italy. It's delicious. And, uh, thank you, Devon. <laughs> and um, in 2018, I started and again another project, uh, this time in Italy. And we launched the first edition of the Roma Bar Show in September 2019. Uh, it was very successful. We had uh, 10,000 people coming through the door. But unfortunately, last year, we were not able to replicate it due to the COVID, as you probably uh, can imagine. And, uh, and now there is a, a new project undergoing in Barcelona, in Spain, uh, which hopefully we can reveal very soon, uh, as soon the COVID is going to be over. So something you can't tell us about until, until you can announce, huh? Well, it's good to know you've got another project on the way. Everything you do seems to turn to gold, even though you talk about uh, Italicus as um, uh, your kamikaze project. Why do, you, why do you refer – I know why, but to, let's talk to the listener about why do you refer to it as that. Obviously, uh, I started my agency – a consulting company, and I was doing a lot of consulting for different corporations and spirits brands, and everybody, they were involved in developing or reworking, refreshing their current brands or portfolio. And I always had to compromise on a choice, on decision, uh, based on the price, on the cost, on the quality. And then I decided, you know what, I want to do my own project, which is speaks Italian, is going to be luxury, and people, they will see this brand at the same level as they see Ferrari, Ducati, or Armani nowadays, as a made in Italy brand. And I'm going to one of my previous boss, a former boss, and I said, listen, I have this little project, I started to work on it, and I present the whole Italicus brand plan, and the whole business plan. At the end of my half an hour speech, you know, you got literally like, you know, at time limits that you can talk. The guy looked at me, uh, obviously like he was a high executive in a big corporation. He said, okay, let me get this one straight from you. Uh, you know, do my Italian accent. People not always understand what I'm saying. Uh, and uh, I said, so you want to launch a super premium liqueur. A liqueur is a declining category right now. You want to give a name, a Latin name, Italicus. Nobody speaks Latin any longer in the world. It's a, a forgotten category, Rosoli, which people, they have no clue what it is. Uh, a bergamot fruit, which a flavor that all Italians they are aware of. And you want to close in a packaging which is so expensive, so you're never going to make it. This is a kamikaze project. So forget <laughs> about it. That was my first business meeting about Italicus. And it's great in a kamikaze. <laughs> exactly. It's a great in a kamikaze cocktail, yeah. So <laughs> what, what gave you the strength and fortitude to say to yourself, uh, even though my very first business meeting ended with 
being told I was uh, embarking on a kamikaze mission, I'm still going to forge ahead. Where did you where did you find that strength and inspiration? Uh, you got a feeling. You have those kind of projects is something that you really feel inside, that it doesn't make you sleeping in the night, that it makes you wake up early in the morning and work 100 hours per week. And you know that it's the right things to do for you in the first place. It's the right things to do for the industry in the first place. And then you also need to understand that somehow figures and numbers are important, but it's not the only element that you need to take in consideration. And uh, I took this one as a learning, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that he had the same experience. And I said, that's fine. You know, it's going to make me tough. You know, I will learn. It's good to have this kind of like, you know, straightforward feedback. I will refine my strategy, but I'm not going to give up. Because the difference between the entrepreneurs who they make it at the one, they don't. It just matter or who doesn't give up at the one who they give up at some point of the project. There is no startup that has no issue or no challenges or bumps on the road. You're you speaking to two bar owners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm speaking with a person who decided to open an Amara Vermouth bar in America, <laughs> in New York, a decade ago. Yeah. Like, Kamikaze me? Not you. Uh, yeah, hey, listen. <laughs> I was just trying to hear my same story reflected. Uh, you're right. Uh, I, I, I often talk about how, you know, if I pitched uh, Amore Amargo today, the pitch would be, uh, I'm going to start with a room that's frankly too small. Uh, I'm going to have lighting that's poor and a music system that only plays background vocalist jazz because of my neighbor. Uh, I'm not going to even offer seats to my guests. And I'm going to have a whole host of items on the back bar that they've never heard of. Uh, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd get a single investor. Um, you know, it, it just it, I, I refer to the bar all the time as the bumblebee. It's not aerodynamically sound, uh, yet somehow it flies. Um, so I, I get it. I get it. I just love to hear uh, other people uh, who are willing to go up against that that kind of uh, straight talk and still say, "But but my vision is going to work." Um, Let's talk a little bit about the Amalfi would, Coast. What, go ahead. I would like to know, honestly, like the last time that we had you on the show, we you had just basically just launched Italicus, and I would like to know where it is now. I mean, like where where are you at as a business? Because I personally I see it everywhere now, and like the growth, like the the way that you speak so passionately about starting up this business, like I in it's reflected in the quality of the product. You know, like it, it's something that we got excited about hearing you talk about and tasting it in the studio. And I, I can't remember if I already had it in my bar or if I immediately got it afterward, but we've used it on every cocktail menu we've had since. And I've seen it in every great bar program and some not so great bar programs, <laughs> so that's a good sign. But, uh, <laughs> it's but yeah, how, how's the growth been of Italicus? Has been phenomenal, Tim. Has been phenomenal, great. and um, that's the way how usually describe Italicus. Uh, when people they ask me like, you know, I'm about to launch my own brand, I want to do my own brand. Uh, can you share something about Italicus? And my first reaction is like, you know, forget Italicus for a second because 
we have been blessed by the gods. We have been so much support and appreciated by the trade, the community, the bartenders and mixologists across the world that uh, even for me has been overwhelming at some point. And every day I got some uh, new news and most of the times the good news. When I was Great. the first time on podcast and I still remember the lovely back room in a pizzeria in Brooklyn. <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm going there like, you know, and I meet this guy with long hair that is like an you know, Italian spaghetti western, like, you know, demon. And <laughs> yeah. I find out that you were involved in the Brooklyn gin. Mm-hmm. And I think the people that should know that Brooklyn Gin was one of our benchmark with Italicus. I like their branding so much that I use it as a guidelines to the design agency for Italicus. Uh, even right. for the website, we took inspiration from Brooklyn Gin. And when I came the first time, it was about October or November 2017. And I think we just started in the US five months early on in June. And, and I remember back then, like the target was, you know, if, um, if we can do 3,000 bottles uh, in US this year, we're already very lucky, you know. So what happened since then, Damon? Uh, basically, uh, it, we won almost every single awards or competition, spirits or brand competition you can have in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only brand that in the first 12 months since the launch, it was awarded best new product of the year by the uh, trade magazine in Italy, European new product of the year at the BCB Bar Convent, and best new product of the year at cocktail ingredients at the Tales of the Cocktail in 2017. Sweet. This is literally the first 11 months on the run. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, since then, we got now 51 gold medals and awards for the brand. Uh, from all over the countries, from all over the world, uh, about the packaging design, about the liquids, or about the branding. We are available right now in 39 countries across the world, and I'm calling U.S. one country. As you know, U.S. is one, <laughs> yeah. one market with 50 states in there. So it's, right. it's a very, very complicated market. When I was in studio back then in 2017, we were available in five states in US. We are now available in 24 states in US. We're covering the full Western Europe, the whole Eastern Europe, Russia, Emirates, China, Singapore, Australia, Korea, and Japan. And we're going to start Latin America in July this year. Wow. We, our target it was the first year to do 10,000 bottles, which we did. Uh, probably this year we're going to produce our million bottle on the run since the launch. Uh, and we probably we're going to go over 300,000 bottles for the calendar year in 2021. That's amazing. I mean, those are numbers that are, that are you know, consistent with brands who've been around for a decade. Like you, 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 you've, you know, you've skipped 10 years. As you know, Italians yeah. love to take shortcuts. <laughs> uh, perfect. No, it's, uh, that, that's the reason why uh, you know I said uh, Italicus has been a little bit of phenomenal in the industry. Uh, we were lucky, we were blessed, uh, but also I have to say myself and the whole team worked very hard. Ah, by the way, back in 2017, it was myself plus another part-time person. Now I have eight wonderful team members working on a brand. Right. Amazing. Uh, 
yeah that's do you need incredible. a ninth <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, uh yeah we could do between us we could do east coast west coast um that's 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 amazing you know and you said something in there that i want to let you know there's a there's a a saying in english that that's um uh, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Um, so I, I don't think it's luck, Beppe. I think it's uh, I think it's that constant drive that you have and you put into it. Like, uh, and it's and it is a beautiful beautiful packaging. We want to talk about that a little bit more in the, in the next segment. Um, uh, and and of course, it's a delicious project uh, product. Um, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors here at Heritage Radio Network. We're going to come back and keep talking to Giuseppe Gallo of uh, Italicus. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Sam Ben Ruby from The Grape Nation. You may know my show is all about enlightening, inspiring, and motivating you guys to try and drink more wine. I want to tell you about a great way to discover and drink the best wine, Wine Access. Whether you're a neophyte or an expert, Wine Access makes it easy for everyone to learn about and buy the wines you like. Their team tastes over 20,000 selections per year and only curates the finest wines, exceeding expectations and over-delivering on price. Through the years, Wine Access has cultivated relationships with under-the-radar winemakers, as well as the most iconic producers. Think Opus One, Dana, Larkmead, Silver Oak, just to name a few. Discover your new favorite bottle with Wine Access. I always tell you to rely on the experts, whether it be retailers, psalms, or winemakers. Wine Access has all the knowledge, connections, and stories to point you to the best wines based on your taste. Wine Access also has a great wine club. Let them do all the work so you can discover your new favorite bottles. Go to wineaccess.com slash HRN. That's wineaccess.com slash HRN. Check them out now. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And in the studio today, we have our good friend Giuseppe Gallo. And we were talking about booze, but we're also talking a little bit about cars for a second. I want to know, like, what do you are? Do you have do you drive an Italian car or an Italian motorcycle or Italian scooter in the United States or or in in the wherever you're living? You're in London now. Do you London? Do you keep uh, the tradition alive with uh, Italian sports wheels? <laughs> I drive an Alpha Spider Vintage. Oh, there you nice! Go. You can't. Exactly, Alfa Romeo. We can't compromise with the style. Obviously, Ferrari will be much, much better. <laughs> I cannot afford <laughs> it yet, but I have a beautiful vintage Alfa Romeo Spider. It's the same Great. one that you see on Dolce Vita movie with the Mastroianni, the actor. That's the car you want to drive if you have a style. If you want to show it off, maybe you're going to get a Ferrari. That's All amazing. Right. I remember the trip that I took to uh, Italy with you. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but we were all driving around in vintage Alfa Romeos. Uh, and I got to drive one from, uh, I think mine was 1972. And we drove all over Italy in these, like a trail of us. I think there was 10, 10 cars in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, that, what a great experience that was. I'm so happy to know. And, and also, my very first car ever was an MGB Midget. So it really reminded me of my, my Midget. Um, 
But what a, what what a great picture that is in my mind. Then that you are zipping around London in a in an Alfa Romeo. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I I don't know if I told you this. Just just uh, like while we're on the topic of of vehicles, my very first business was actually a uh, a scooter shop. So I I've had a bunch of Vespas and Lambrettas over the years, and uh, I. Uh, I, I don't know. There's just something really cool about Italian cars and, and, and motorcycles and scooters. I mean, they're, they're their own kind of cool, like motocusis. And, you know, there's just like, mm. there's something just, I don't know. There's, it's, it's not only the style and performance, but there's just like, there's just a vibe that comes along with them that is just relentlessly cool. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, it's a weekend car. Well, well <laughs> sp speaking, uh, it's much better than a Fiat 500, where you can all even yeah. put your bag in there, first of all. And secondly, Damon, if you can make you happy, I also have a beautiful Piaggio Specialino 1968. Uh, oh, my. Nice. It's uh, that's what my father used to drive back in the days on Amalfi Coast. So why not? Let's continue the legacy. Yeah. Uh, when you grew up on the Amalfi Coast uh, next to those gorgeous Amalfi lemons, I'm sure you must have made some limoncello. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it was the, the, the main uh, task, mainly like, you know, spring, summer with my mom. And I remember like, you know, peeling those giant lemon and like an infusing with the alcohol and you know the limoncello the homemade limoncello i'm not sure if you ever had a chance to taste it like you know it's fairly boozy the one they make in there in a house and uh, i remember once you know there were all these like you know, lemon skin macerating in the alcohol and it's like you know i need to try i was you know i was not legal age yet so like you know, i'm going to open this vase like and i'm literally like dipping my finger into it and i put it in my mouth and i got so disgusted obviously it was just like you know lemon alcohol <laughs> spirit neutral grain and uh, it was not nice but yes the whole experience of sitting outside on the little patio with my mom my grandma peeling the lemon peeling the orange sometimes you know making any sort of homemade stuff uh, you know, back then you don't know, but you know, when you're going to connect dots looking forward, then you understand why you were doing that stuff when you were eight, nine or 10 years old. And uh, since then I became more and more passionate and interested in a new flavor, in ingredients. And that's also how did I got to Italicus with the bergamot. Right. Talk to talk to the listener a little bit about Italicus and bergamot in general, and then of course, uh, Rosolio. We mentioned earlier in the in the show that you, it's a it's a category that was forgotten, and you resurrected it. I don't even know if there's still another one on the market yet. Um, so talk to the listener about about those things. Yeah, it's um, uh, obviously um, so that I've been involved with uh, uh, vermouth and amaro. You know, sometimes I like to define myself as the southern tongue of Europe. If I may, um, as you know, there are only few crazy people that uh, they love Amaro and Vermouth more than we do. <laughs> and uh, 
And, uh, you know, going to the University of Turin back in the days when I was working with Martina Rossi in Firenze, in Bologna, you know, doing some research about vermouth. I worked with Jared uh, Brown and Anastasia Miller on the vermouth book as well back in 2010. And going through all these old books and always I'm gonna fi- I would find what it was vermouth, amaro, bitter, liqueur. Always this word, rosolio, rosolio, rosolio. So I start to ask around. I started to ask, you know, um, archivist, museum, uh, you know, teacher in university. Not many people, they knew exactly what rosolio was. Then all of a sudden, it was the summer of 2014. I'm on holiday again on Amalfi Coast. My grandma, she's 84. And I said, like, you know, nonna, that's the way I would say grandma in Italian. Have you ever heard about rosolio? And she looked at me and said, yeah, of course. Like, you know, we used to serve rosolio during the weddings as a celebration when we were young, during the 1930s, 1940s. And there I started to get more information about rosolio. And actually rosolio, it was the first ever, if we can call it, category of the Italian drinking culture before vermouth, before amaro, before bitters. And the word rosolio is coming from the dew of sun. Because basically, rosolio is description of anything that is growing locally. You're harvesting early in the morning with a little dew coming from the sun on top of your leaves or roots or trees or flowers or fruits. And then you infuse with alcohol and water. The difference comparing to any other liqueur that they were using not refined sugar that he just arrived in Europe, thanks to Christopher Columbus. Because before America was discovered, in Europe, the only way to sweeten things, it was honey. Sugar was a really, really an expensive ingredient coming only from certain area of Africa or Asia. It was not that common. All of a sudden we have, you know, large quantities of sugar cane arriving from Americas. And the monks, they're starting to take those infusion, add a little bit of this not refined sugar, calling rosolis, in Latin words, rosolis. And then it became in Italian, rosolio. And I said one day, you know what? I'm going to bring back this category. There is no other rosolio part of Italicus in the world. And when I told to my father, you know, I'm going to quit my job with Bacardi, you know, huge corporation. I just won an award the year before. And I had a good, like, you know, salary and a good lifestyle traveling the world. And I'm going to make a rosolio. He literally told me, you bloody nuts. You don't do that. Nobody drink rosolio anymore. And I said, don't worry. I'm going to make every single bar and not just any bar, the top bars in the world, the restaurants, having a bottle of rosolio in the back bar. And that's the situation today, four years later. I mean, first of all, I think my favorite part of the story is that you went to all of these experts in search of knowledge uh, when it was at home the whole time with your Nona, 84 years old. uh, And she's like, of course, Rosolio, we drink them all the time at weddings. Uh, It's really sort of charming part of the story that your your research led you far and wide, but then it led you back home. That paired with the fact that, you know, it's when you're 
you were told that you were crazy for leaving this job. I mean, like if you hadn't had that job and you hadn't traveled the world like you did with with that career, then you probably would have never been led to the point where you would have seen that as something that was a worthwhile pursuit. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, you know, the funny case in the life sometimes that, uh, you know, you, you're traveling all around the world. I mean, myself, I was so like that by my 30s, already have been in four different continents in the world and already traveled over 20 countries. By my 40s, I've been traveling all around the world. I probably have done already more than 40 countries across the world. But then I had to go back home to find some certainty about that feeling that I had. And, uh, and Rosoli was so funny that became so untrained. <laughs> so like, you know, uh, old fashioned as a category that nobody in Italy didn't want to talk about it anymore. Because then I went to, when I launched Italicus, the first one to text me, he was Matteo Luxardo from the famous Maraschino Luxardo. And, you know, we are very good friends with Matteo. So like, you know what? I got to tell you something. The Maraschino Luxardo was invented in 1777 and actually was called Rosolio di Marasca. But because Rosolio became so old-fashioned as a name, we removed it from the label. And for the last 100 years, we just call it Maraschino. Wow. That's fascinating. Wow. That, that, that was like, you know, really fascinating. But even like in lots of limoncello company, it used to be called Rosolio di Limone. And then they just removed it from the label because it was not trend enough. And my whole aim, it was always, don't follow the trend. Set them. <laughs> nice. It's complete, It's a different game. It gives you different satisfaction. Why you need to follow the crowd? Be different. Be yourself. And that was right. all about. I was, you know, I was traveling the world in 2009 and telling people like, you know, Verbut was the first ever ready to drink cocktail, if you want to define like that. And the crafts to make vermouth, it takes much longer than to make some other spirits. So you should give a little bit more respect and keep in the fridge. And people, they will look at me like, are you crazy saying those things? Yeah, I'm telling you guys, that's the way how vermouth has been so betrayed recently by bartenders, by professionals, that it's now our responsibility to put it back in the right place. And the same thing I did with Rosolio. Do you think that the the way that people treated vermouth was partially due to the fact that it was a very inexpensive product so they didn't really think that they needed to kind of take care of it in a way uh i give the responsibility to most of the italian brands who during the 1780s where the vermouth was the most trendy probably category and aperitif all around the world they haven't invest they didn't invest into the value and equity, and they're just starting to play on the price game, which was discount and promo. It's exactly what happened there. But people, they thought, you know, low price, cheap product. Right. Right, they kind of devalued themselves by, yeah. by marketing themselves at a lower price. It happened the same thing to Prosecco in the last 10 years. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just, sort of, and, think about and, it. You don't really drink Prosecco when it's not in a mimosa in the United States. Um, but yeah, that's it's interesting too because like people have no problem 
spending $40 on a bottle of Carpino Antica formula, oh, mm. but then, you know, then you buy like a, a $7 bottle of Cinzano and it, it's the dustiest bottle on your back bar, you know, and it's on the back bar. It's not in the refrigerator. It's just interesting how that works out. It's, that's exactly the point. But what probably Carpano and other few brands in the last decade, what they did very well, they invest into education. They explain bartenders, mixologists, how the juice is made. And why you need to respect, they need to value the bottle. But if all your strategy is just to see how much you're going to invest on the price promo, then you're going to take consequences from that. Right. Right. Devaluing your own self. Um, you talked a little bit about the bottle. You definitely talked about the bottle back in 2017, but kind of remind us all of the effort and energy that went into the packaging because you mentioned to me off air that that packaging has it cost you a lot of money up front, but you feel the dividends and the rewards from it now. Coming now, yes, it's, uh, it's true. So um, when I started Italicus, first of all, the name Italicus, it means Italian in Latin word. As I just explained, the word Rosolis coming from Rosolis. So I took inspiration from the Latin and I said, I'm going to call Italicus, which sounds very Roman, very gladiator style, if you see what I mean. And, uh, and that's the name. It's like uh, basically this brand speaks, breathe and behave Italian in a style, in a modern style. I always, that's one thing I never liked in the life when people, they thought about Italy as a spaghetti, pizza and mandolino. That is a stereotype of Italy. Yeah, you know, some part of Italy, probably they <laughs> haven't done much to change that. But for me, Italy is also Italy of Ducati, Ferrari, Renzo Piano, Armani. Like, you know, it's this modern, young, um, ambitious new generation there, which I feel to be part of. And, and lots of us, we actually travel across the world, you know, side of them, and you got the lots of like, our friends and colleagues, Italian, like in which they're running some of the best cocktail bars in the major cities. And that was my aim with Italicus. I want this brand that when somebody's going to see the bottle, the first thing you're going to say, it's Italian. So Italicus, the name, Italiano. Then the bottle shape is inspired by the Roman column. Ten different shoulders all around the, the, the bottle, multiplied by two lines for each shoulders, 20 like the 20 regions of Italy, where we're all sourcing the ingredients. The blue aquamarine, the color of the glass of the bottle, is inspired by the Grotta Azzurra in Capri, that you can see is just in front of the Amalfi Coast. That's where I used to be during the sunset. So, you know, during beautiful days on the summer in Italy, on my garden, on the seaside, like that's the color you will see on the Mediterranean Sea. And the black and white on a cap is inspired by the church of Santa Maria Novella in Firenze, that it was the first ever church to actually use black and white stripes in vertical rather than in horizontal. It was designed by Donatello. And also Caterina de' Medici, the daughter of the famous Lorenzo de' Medici, she used to offer a little glass of rosolio after the church every Saturday, already back on 1500. 
when she grew up, she married the future king of France, Louis XIII, and she introduced the habit to drink a glass of rosolio before the dinner to the king of France. And that's why the drink of the king. So she was the first one to export rosolio outside of Italy. And they used to make for the Medici family in Tuscany a wonderful juniper berries rosolio. And for somebody like Damon who worked in the gin, maybe knows the reason why, because in Tuscany it's full of high quality juniper berries all over the hills. And last but not least, the logo of Italicus is the Vitruvian Man by Leonardo da Vinci. Why the Vitruvian Man by Leonardo da Vinci? Because when Italians, they were asked in 1999 to choose the most symbolic design of the history in Italy, 86% they voted for the Vitruvian Man by Leonardo da Vinci. And today, if you take one euro, the coin in Italy, you will see the Vitruvian Man. So I took the Vitruvian Man as inspiration, but we turn in the shape and form of Bacchus, the god of wine, but instead of harvesting berg, um, grapes, he's harvesting bergamot. And this one is an encapsulated in this beautiful Italicus blue turquoise aquamarine bottle, black and white cup, and if you turn the bottle ups and down, is literally a bergamot cut into the half. Every single detail, inches of the bottle has a meaning. And your daughter's on the cap, right? Right. That she's... was a secret. <laughs> that was a secret. <laughs> Who are you hiding that secret from? Your other daughter? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's open another question. Yes. Uh, the little uh, angel on the logo, uh, because I opened Italicus company, it was the 3rd of March, 2016. And it was my second daughter, second birthday. And I was at a meeting with a design agency in a little bar in London. And my daughter, she was there with me. She could hardly walk. And she goes behind the bar. She grabbed a little shaker. And when I see her behind the bar with a little shaker, the design agency, the design director, he took a picture of us. And they thought it was so nice and so cute. A few days later, I got a new draft of the logo. And I see this face. I said, like, you know, who is she? Why did you change the logo? So actually, this is the picture we took of you with your daughter behind the bar. And we thought it was something nice to bring a little bit of your family, of your personal experience and emotion into the brand. Uh, because one of my aim at the beginning, it was always, I don't want to put my name on a bottle. I don't want to see my name or my initial nowhere. It's about the brand. It's about the made in Italy. It's not about Giuseppe Gallo. When I saw a lot of people launching their brand with their name, their surname, or whatever, you know, their decision, that's fine. I love my privacy and I want to keep the family out. But at the end, Damon, it worked out very well because I have to say people, they love the story of my daughter to be the face of the logo. And I think she likes two now. She's about seven. <laughs> so she, lo she loves to go around and say like, you know, this is me. And I have a very nice story if I may, 30 seconds. So my daughter, they're going here to school in London, in UK. At one point, we got a call from the school that we need to go to the school and talk to the teacher. Usually when you go this kind of talk, uh, it's something happened at school. You know, the small kids, you don't know what happened. 
and we go in there and the teacher she asked me like you know you know nothing important but i want to ask you one question because every time we're asking all the kids what your mom jobs what your daddy job she always replied italicus what exactly what kind of job is that and um, and then i had to explain to her that you know it's a spirits brand and just because my daughter she's on she's the logo probably she loves so much that she think that italicus is a job uh, well, actually, uh, <laughs> I like to define Italicus for me more like you know a dream come through. <laughs> that's great. Nice. Uh, that's great. You know, it's also great. I think uh, you know I deal uh, obviously with a lot of Amari uh, and even some Vermouths. Uh, well, I deal with a lot of them, but I love that there are those very deep, not necessarily hidden, hidden in plain sight, but those meanings that are that are on the labels and in the designs of the bottles themselves. Um, you know, you can get a little bit of story behind what's going on in the bottle just by what's on the bottle. And I, I the thought and uh, uh, layers that you put into this bottle, I, I can't believe it. And, uh, and I know, of course, just by looking at how gorgeous the bottle is, that it's also very expensive. So uh, I'm glad to see that all that effort was not for, for nothing. It's, um, you know, now that, you know, four years down the line, I was mentioning to you off the line, you know, obviously with the COVID, we were a very heavy on-premise brand. And all of a sudden, for a few months, we haven't sold the bottle because all the bottle restaurants, they shut down. And I started to get a little bit worried. So we kind of like, you know, reshuffle our strategy a little bit more on e-commerce. And we open up some, uh, you know, premium retailer in few in few markets and all of a sudden i see you know the depletion and the sales going up again like they keep growing growing and the offset the loss for the last three months and then they keep growing it's like what what's going on so i'm going to check the numbers and you know i literally like you know went to one of these retail shop one of the supermarket i stand next to the shelf of italicus and when people they were buying the bottles i was actually asking them why do you buy the bottles without telling them who i was why do you buy the bottles and the first thing they will reply to me, ah, no, it's like, you know, it's so good looking. I'm going for a dinner. I want to give a nice gift, a nice present. Or somebody else will say, ah, you know, I've been to Italy uh, and I know bergamot, so I want to try something with bergamot. Somebody else, they were just curious. They love the bottle so much. They just want to buy. Oh, I mean, I, I told you off air as well. Uh, when it's on the back bar at, at my spots, uh, it is... I mean, imagine, especially at Amore Amargo, the, the, the sheer volume of labels that I have facing the guests that they've probably never seen before. And Italicus is easily in the top three that gets asked about. Like, if they're about to ask me, hey, let me ask you a question. Uh, I, if I can see where their eyes are pointing, I know what they're going to ask me about. If, 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 if I see just kind of even the direction on my back bar, which is massive, uh, I, I'm like, oh yeah, that's Italicus. <laughs> I'm already turning around and grabbing it. You know, uh, it is very eye-catching and it's a handsome bottle. Uh, and then, you know, going beyond that, of course, the interior, the juice uh, is delicious and super versatile. What's yeah, I, mean, uh, I have, I, you know, at my home bar, I have three liqueurs. I have Benedictine, I have Chartreuse, and I have Italicus, and that's just what I use for everything. So. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I mean that can that can that can yeah. that can do a wide swath of, of work on your back bar. Yeah, I mean I don't uh, really I don't do like any kind of like like triple sec any orange liqueurs at home. I I just you know anything I don't I don't make enough cocktails 
that call for it. And if I do, I'd rather use Bergamot. Yeah. It's just way more interesting. Very um, interesting, Damon. As uh, you know, just uh, obviously talking about uh, liqueurs in Texas, the number one drink with Italicus, it's actually a margarita, what they call in Italian margarita. So they yeah. mix uh, tequila mezcal with Italicus instead of any other orange liqueur. So I give it this kind of like a bergamot spill off flavor. And, uh, you know, we have one, we used to have at least like one customer in Austin. They used to do like, you know, 30 cases of Italicus a month. Wow. I, wow. I Just with the, the Italian margarita. Yeah. Wow. Who was that? Tober at Nickel City? Um, <laughs> uh, so, Zevi, what, what, what's next? Uh, well, obviously, after you put your daughter on a bottle, on the logo, then you need to come up with another project where you need to give a space to my other daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then the next one on the line, that would be my wife, of course. <laughs> so it's, um, we want to definitely want to um, finish a start, actually to start this uh, new project in Barcelona, in Spain, which is almost completed. Uh, it got some delay due to COVID. But um, it will be, um, again, in the hospitality business. And hopefully um, our friends and colleagues, they're going to appreciate it. We try to do something really unique and special in Barcelona, which I think it's a city. It's a cultural, Spanish cocktail culture that it deserves more attention. And uh, we're trying with this project to bring a little bit more spotlight to Barcelona. By the way, it's a huge Vermouth country. They have this wonderful fortified wine like Madeira, Sherry. Cava sparking wine. So there is a, a hidden gem in Spain. Uh, so the aim is to start this project so we can bring more attention to the Spanish market and to all these hidden gem. Um, the aim is to uh, be live by hopefully September, October 2021. And the next one will be, I need to come up with another project or another brand or another idea to put my other daughter on the logo. Uh, so we are brainstorming right now. We are brainstorming. But uh, if I ever going to do anything else or something else, uh, it's never going to be another gin me too. Uh, it's not going to be another tequila. Uh, it's not going to be another, you know, Amaro me too. You're always going to be um, a kind of like hidden category, hidden gem, different flavor profile. Uh, because as I always say, I want to innovate in hospitality. I don't want to duplicate. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's exactly. solid. Uh, so people can find Italicus on Instagram at Italicus RDB, standing for Rosolio di Bergamato. It's Italicus, I T A L I C U S R D B on Instagram. Uh, is there anywhere else, or is that the best place, rather, for people to reach out if they have any questions for you? Uh, yes, um, they can reach out through Instagram or Facebook. Uh, also, they can find all other places where to buy Italicus on our website, rosolioitalicus.com. Uh, and also it's available with most of the e-commerce platform across the world and in US. In New York, Astro Wine Shop is probably the best place to go. Yeah, always. Yeah, that's, that's the best to go for anything in New York. Um, and currently available for sale at my bar. You know, right now, because the restrictions are lifted, I operate as a liquor store, so you can pick up a bottle at Amoria Margo as well. Um, 
Man, really great to hear your voice and have you back on the show. I can't believe how long it's been since we've seen you. Um, and I look, man, I look forward to when we can travel again, uh, either to visit one another or to travel together elsewhere. Um, but man, it's really great having you on the on the show today. As um, as I like to say, we're getting vintage. Yeah. But um, I'm really looking forward to hopefully, guys, uh, see you both very soon. And I give you a big hug, to be honest. <laughs> a big hug. It's, uh, it's now like over a year and a half or two. I've not been in the US. And I really, really want to do a, a proper trip, spending a few weeks and meet all of you again, uh, hugging you guys, see you, how are you doing. And hopefully we can keep helping each other and support our community. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, thanks again so much uh, for being on the show all the way from London, England, Giuseppe Gallo uh, of Italicus. Uh, it's always a treat to, to have you on. Um, you've been a friend of the show for a long time and, uh, man, just a, an icon in, in our industry uh, uh, as, a, as a just a gentleman and a scholar. So thanks so much for being on the show. That's it for this week's episode of The Speakeasy. Uh, tune in to Heritage Radio Network for many more shows just like this one. And uh, thanks for all your support, guys. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.